with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Well, good morning, Prince George. Thank you for joining me today. I'm your host, Echo Wiley, here on uh, After 9. We've got some great guests for you here today. One of them is a fellow named Darren Gregory, who is uh, administrator on the uh, Permanently Disabled and Injured Workers of Canada. And we also have Jane Gauthier coming to you today from Big Brothers and Big Sisters. We're going to get some more information. Okay, uh, well, Mr. Gregory is uh, pushing for a Canada-wide investigation into workmen's comp compensation agencies um, for support and better treatment of injured workers. Thanks for joining me here today, Mr. Gregory. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, no worries. Um, So you're looking for um, claims to be honored. You're seeking human rights under Protection 7 of the Charter Rights. Um, Do they dare refuse us if we all get together, all of us injured uh, and disabled folk? What do you have to say about that? Well, this has been going on for me for 15 years. I'm a former BC paramedic, and I was one of the first ones probably to crash in the province to PTSD. Uh-oh. And losing my claim in 2005, I, I basically picked up a mission to work until we could change the law. Yes, yes. Um, maybe you could tell us some of the implications of ineffective quasi-judicial systems such as uh, WCB. When we apply for compensation in British Columbia, we expect that we're going to be cared for. Our employers are paying into these uh, compensation systems on our behalf, and we always assume when we're working that if we get injured uh, or are made ill on the job, that we'll be cared for and our families will be cared for. I think that's the expectation. Yes, yes. As part of our whole um, social network, I would suspect that this is a portion of a major functional uh, system to to back up our medical system, yet it just doesn't seem to be um, doing its job? No, it doesn't. It, it's, it's unfortunate. The laws are, uh, the way the laws are languaged and the policies that develop from the compensation legislation that is uh, put together has for 20 years in British Columbia, and I believe across Canada, um, effectively supported employers and the compensation systems themselves over uh, the needs of workers and our families. Um, I'm, I'm with right now 280 BC workers who've been abandoned by uh, workers' compensation in this province. And some of us have been battling, trying to get through to government the harm that's caused um, when, when these kind of denials happen. Yes, absolutely. Um, If uh, someone is injured, be it at work or not at work, and they seem to have to make a decision on whether that's actually happening or not, uh, you know, whether your claim gets accepted, if if it happened at work, you should be covered. And how is it, do you suspect then that they are just able to uh, nullify a claim and out and outright deny people even though there's evidence? uh, What's been going on with that? Yeah, there's a there's a report out that we stumbled across in the last few months only. It's actually been uh, available online since 2010. I didn't realize it was there until I happened to stumble across it in August. It was written by Dr. Bob Barnston uh, with Athabasca University. Mm-hmm. He studied compensation systems in the country coast to coast, 
And his concluding marks, remarks in his uh, study make it very clear. He, he identified that um, law policy and regulations are intentionally um, stacked in, to favor employers, to favor the compensation system. He says in his report straight up that uh, that comes at the expense of workers and our families. And he identified the problem as systemic in Canada, in every compensation system, in every jurisdiction across the country. And I've met online and, you know, I've had discussions with other injured workers, other disabled workers across the country. And it's interesting, I come from, you know, the field of public safety and I was a social services manager too at one point. And when we met online, we were all individuals and casually doing our thing, trying to advocate on these issues. And once we started to trust each other, because we, none of us really have any trust with, with these systems or anybody else anymore. I, I hear you, yes. Yeah, and we started to then reach out to each other and then meet uh, Jazz, Jazz Carr and Gill and James Mansell are two gentlemen that I, I met within the last while. And when we started to discuss our stories... We needed five minutes with each other, and we come at our claims and our and our and our issues from different industries, different parts of the province, and our stories were exactly the same uh, in terms of it, it, our engagement with the system. Yes, yes, they have a, a seam of, of uh, prescribed behaviors that uh, tend to override pretty much the constitution and everything else that there is out there saving what is the what do you suspect would be uh is it because they're an administrative uh tribunal uh they're an act what is it that allows them to override even the constitution and basically tell judges that they're above the courts what what seems to be going on with that well there's there's uh limited access to uh the right kind of supports when you have to battle with claims too. Um, the problem is the law. The law is languaged in the same way as, you know, First Nations, for instance, have lived under an authoritative parental kind of governance structure for 150 plus years. Conscripted, yes, they've been conscripted too, for sure. Yeah, and the way that this these particular laws are set up are, it's, it's the colonial legal and governance structures that we have that impose upon us an authority from government that gets transferred into ministries, that gets transferred into uh, systems like compensation, so that when we engage with them, um, it's almost as though we're enemies of the state. <laughs> yes, and, and that's always confused me, um, as I myself have, have dealt with these problems as well. Um, you have no way to get your evidence. Your your medical files don't belong to you. If you're not consistently and ongoingly getting the papers and information from your doctor, it's not really any of your purview. I've, uh, you know, tried to get a... Um, communications from them and they just totally shut you out there's there's no uh, communicating with them no it's very difficult and what i've learned over time and, and and the gentleman that i've i spoke to spoke of earlier when we push systems we learn the hard way that a compensation system like our work safe bc for instance it's it's too autonomous it has far too much power legislated to itself yes and 
it seems that our Minister of Labour lacks uh, power to intervene in a way that would basically put a kibosh, put the stop on the kinds of things that have been happening to workers in this province for as long as they've been happening. Um, that, that frightens me a little bit that we have, a, have systems in this country and in this province where those employed within the systems have that much power over uh, injured workers and, and disabled workers' lives and our families. I know people that have had their, including myself, our lives were completely destroyed trying to, to be recognized for legitimate work-caused injuries. My own claim file for PTSD says so, but the law had been intentionally stacked in 2002 to limit mental stress claims. Yeah, yeah, and I, I believe it was stacked prior to that even for just general claims in general. I, um, the, the, they seem to start addressing uh, the the um, mental and uh, trauma issues around that time because it became such a, an, an important uh, issue to do with how people are dealing with. But there um, are attacks on the social system by the denials of these claims. I mean, folks have to go to social services or they're turned out on the streets or, you know, if they're lucky enough to have a family and friend to help them. Um, so now we have six six and a half million disabled people in this province uh, or in in Canada am I correct approximately yeah Yeah, so that's quite a huge huge body of people and I would be interested to know the statistics of how many of those people literally have suffered with the same issues as us it seems the way the act is written that the minister should be able to because it states that the only the minister of uh of labor can can overturn a decision of a workman's compensation adjudicator. Maybe you can um, talk to the issue of these are adjudicators who are people who are perhaps not trained in legalese, or they may be, and the different levels, because we have the medical um, advisors within WCB. We have the um, legal advisors, and, and we have all of these people consistently working against uh, citizens of this country who are legitimately injured on the job. Could you get into that a little bit? Yeah. Um, again, that, that, that rolls to the, to the question of how do they have so much power. Truly, and abuse it and get away with it. Exactly. And so what I've determined is that, you know, 2002, um, the government that we had was basically an elected dictatorship. They could do whatever they wanted in our legislature through that period, 2001 to 2005. Subsequent to that, they had uh, majority governments. And it was, uh, it's become very clear that we made a huge mistake in 2001, knee-jerking and turfing an entire party out of our legislature and granting that much party to, to a single party with ill intent behind them when they craft law. Um, that's, that is the problem in British Columbia that I've determined uh, specifically for my case. So we're left with, with nothing but, um, I'm representing as well that six, Point five million disabled people because I am now permanently disabled with chronic issues that um, basically have to do a lot with what's called sanctuary trauma when you reach out to systems like this expecting help and you get abused like we have been you end up with additional trauma and when someone's suffering that already that's the last thing they need and 
once once that beast takes hold inside of us, I believe that that's part of the reason why many of us get locked in these uh, 15 years for myself battles trying to achieve justice. Uh, justice dem- injustice demands uh, justice. And we've we've not we've not had that opportunity. There's 280 workers here. Plus, in British Columbia, there's 900,000 estimated by government uh, persons with disabilities who've been suffering this 20 years as well, without rate increases for disability benefits provincially, without um, any kind of real cost of living meeting uh, financial help. Um, I've said it before. You take our money away. We're dead men and women walking. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's traumatizing. I I can uh, definitely uh, concur and agree with you in that way as I am myself. Echo, it's it's about betrayal. Truly, you know, you expect the systems that say they do a certain thing to do that certain thing when you approach them, and you and and it's unfortunate for. For us as general public citizens, we haven't taken enough. Uh, we don't have. We're, we're, I'm going to say this straight up. For the, I mean, we only had 54 percent turnout for the last election here in British Columbia. Mm-hmm. That's abysmal, and that's part of the reason why those people planning and policymakers and legislators and elected officials can can de- can just go along their merry way with their structures and how they've set things up because the general public isn't complaining the voters aren't complaining and when injured workers complain well we're just whining injured workers disgruntled injured workers and if you have a mental illness tagged to you as a label um, I've had that spun back on me more times than I can count in terms of using that against someone you know what I mean Um, PTSD for instance it's misunderstood it's labeled a mental illness. It's actually a physiological dysfunction. It's a stress response disorder. Yes. We're not psychotic. We're not going to storm work-safe buildings and kill everybody. But that's the attitude that I've faced trying to deal with my... With, I mean, my files, I've read them recently. I It, it re-traumatizes me and it just angers me. Absolutely. I, I'm unable myself to actually uh, deal with mail. I can't. Uh, it's been 34 years for me yeah. since my accident with CN Rail, and it it's just been constant and ongoing. Um, do you think the cumulative effect of all the denials and what's been going on, and there's so many people that these people have, in fact, uh, destroyed their lives, that this is all going to come back on them now, and uh, people will eventually see the trauma and the abuse of power that that seems to go on by their waves of a stroke of a pen and saying goodbye to your life? Yeah, I, I ran out of steam personally. This is my last year advocating for these issues. I had a granddaughter born in January, and she's becoming the central focus of my life. I, I spent 15 years engaged in this, locked in this battle, um, my, my, my sons and I are just starting to come back together in terms of father-son relationship that's comfortable, and I'm, I'm very pleased with, with how that's starting to turn out finally. But the imposition upon myself and my family at the time when we needed this system pushed an already destroying family completely off the cliff. PTSD will spread in the family like 
wildfire. Uh, absolutely, as is, as does brain injury or, or any other um, any other thing. Well, we're going to take a quick break here, um, and we'll be back, Darren, in a minute. With if you'll stick around, you have a bit more time. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, thank you, and we'll be right back more with Darren Gregory and uh, dealing with WCB WorkSafe. If you listen on a star-studded night in this time that once more has come upon us, you will hear the sounds of Christmas. Hello, I'm Gip Forster. The season of love and goodwill calls us to lessen our haste. Charity whispers of need and a star calls us to follow. Come, walk with me. It feels like Christmas. Sponsored in part by Hobby Brews three times daily here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Hello from Tops and Bottoms. We are now seeing our clients by appointment only. Please wear your mask too, since the fitting will not allow for much social distance. To make an appointment, please visit our website, topsandbottoms.ca, or Google us and find the book link. You can also call the store at 250-614-1553, Tops and Bottoms, at the corner of 2nd and Victoria. All of us at Timberline Footfitters wish you a very joyful and peace-filled Christmas. We are all looking at new and innovative ways that we can celebrate. And filled with gratitude for Christmas's past, we look forward to a new year filled with hope and promise. As we focus on the positive and care for others, we recognize how kindness helps all of us get through this pandemic. For you and yours, Merry Christmas from Timberline Footfitters. Forecast from Environment Canada, mainly cloudy today with a 60% chance of showers this morning, then a mix of sun and cloud. Wind from the south at 40, gusting to 60, and a high of 6. Periods of rain at times mixed with snow tonight with a low of 1. For Tuesday, a mix of sun and cloud with a 60% chance of flurries in the morning, a clearing in the afternoon, and a high of 4. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Welcome back. Here we are with, uh, I know Reg doesn't like anybody to say that, but I'm saying it anyways because I'm glad that you're all here with me. And uh, thank you, uh, Darren Gregory, for for joining us to discuss uh, things that are harmful to our health, which is WCB for me <laughs> and to quite, a, quite a few other people. So you have approached the uh, government and have put in some paperwork with them. Could you explain some of what, what you've done with that so far? Yeah, yeah this, this August I had an open, uh, what I thought was an open door that showed up uh, on my uh, one, a claim file that I had with WorkSafe, and I took an, I took advantage of that open door. I was I was, was in a bit of a rage one night when I read the Barnetson report. For uh, is what set me off, oh. and for whatever reason, I got through. So I requested a review. The review was denied because it was way out of time. My injuries and illnesses and, and things began in 2005, as far as WorkSafe is concerned. There was a, a subsequent subsequent claim in 2013 when I was working in social services that um, went wrong as well. So I saw the open door and I tried to see if I could get a review. Um, I had to press for that. Um, November 30th, I got a letter from the Chief Review Officer for WorkSafe BC that um, an extension of time to review my claim wasn't going to be granted. And from there, I took a step and decided to post uh, an exploratory letter online that I've addressed to the Minister 
federally for disability inclusion, uh, Carla Qualtro, Honorable Carla Qualtro. I've noticed of late that the federal government for persons with disabilities is finally starting to step up. It's uh, disability um, services are generally a provincial responsibility, mm-hmm. as is uh, compensation um, services. So it's 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 provincial territory, and our federal government doesn't generally um, like to, to stomp around in provincial uh, flower gardens, so to speak. So I have not heard back from the minister, but that's the, that's the gist of the exploratory letter that's online. It was addressed to her because she is Minister for Jobs, uh, WorkSafe Development, and Disability Inclusion. And I thought that was the most appropriate uh, person to ask for an investigation of compensation systems uh, by a third, by the federal government, or we're going to need an independent uh, review, likely nationally. And as I started to work that campaign on December 1st, I was surprised at the number of uh, workers that I, I'm in groups all over Facebook, for instance, and the number of people that responded to that positively um, has blown me away. I didn't realize we're 280 in one group that's identified as a BC group of, of workers uh, messed with by WorkSafe, and there, there's individuals across this country who have been establishing these pages and hoping to raise awareness of this issue for as long as as myself and the two gentlemen i mentioned earlier have been at this as long as myself plus we've got more in that group that we're starting to try to talk more and more together once a week at least and again same stories same problems same outcomes same harms and the 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 um, point that Dr. Bonnerston makes in his conclusion just rings in my ear. This is He basically says this is what's happening. Uh, it's favoring government in the system, and it's at the expense of workers, and it doesn't seem like uh, prevention of injury is happening. It doesn't seem that, um, I mean, half, I think half, half of the mental stress claims in the last bunch of time was were denied. So... What do you, I mean, what do you do? And in B.C., I mean, they went so far as to abolish the B.C. Human Rights Commission, for heaven's sakes. And they went so far as to defund legal aid services. Yes. And, and, and to restrict access to social assistance for a long while. And then kept those rates, I mean, the, the, the rates for disability benefits in B.C., if it hadn't been for this pandemic and for a change in government in 2017, there would have been no rate increases for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. And that, that puts people in a state of poverty. I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with the concepts uh, around the, the social determinants of health. Not sure. Nope. Okay, so the social determinants of health basically say the healthiest people are those with financial security in Canada and, and no real impedance on social status. Yes. So when you are an injured worker in poverty, pushed to the bottom of the social hierarchy, and you already have disabling physical conditions and or uh, mental health conditions that don't get resolved because you're not direct to the right help when you need it, well, now we have an accumulating body of human beings. That are in misery. That are in misery to the tune in Canada now of 6.5 million people. 
Yes, yes, it's atrocious. It's it's Canada. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Somebody said, "Be thankful you don't live in a third world country," and I said, "Well, geez, I'm I'm not quite sure I don't well, for a good portion me? of the population." And what's really disturbing is that when they turn your claim down, even though you were legitimately hurt at work, you are being basically accused of fraud. Well, so, in fact, you are pegged then as virtually a criminal, and doctors are unable to treat you because there's been an authoritative decision made uh, about your medical that says you're, you don't have this condition. So, seeking help becomes uh, uh, just uh, beyond a chore. Oh, when you have a mental stress injury that's trauma-induced uh, mm-hmm. in British Columbia outside of a work uh, environment, access to trauma, uh, certified trauma credentialed uh, treatment in our province in the public system are very difficult to find, even to this day. So personally, I, I mean, I, I'm lucky right now. I was just invited by a clinician that's in our network of first responders who's going to, um, she offered me a pro bono treatment um, so that I can maybe address a couple of, one, well, one, one trauma in particular and get that, you know, taking care of it. It's a new treatment, and I'm, I'm actually ex- excited that she offered it to me. She's doing a pro bono. Wonderful. But, uh, you know, the cost of that um, in private care, like this is a private practice, uh, clinical psychologist is delivering it, the cost is $2,000. Yes, I, I, I'm constantly bombarded with those types of issues myself. I need a occlusal splint for my mouth that is is basically been the determining factor of why I've had my life destroyed. I've become a non-tax-paying citizen. And that's what's even more um, hurtful and defining is that you're unable to contribute to your country and you feel like a drain. People mm-hmm. even say things like that. Well, Darren, we're coming to close to the end of our time here. So um, can I get some information from you on how to so support I've, I've and contact? I've on lead now. If you, wouldn't, if you could send the, share the link to that. Last night, I wrote a letter to um, the new executive council for the province of British Columbia. Today's, uh, apparently, resumption of legislature in British Columbia. Awesome. And we are going to hear a throne speech today. And I, I sent a letter out uh, to uh, all ministers of uh, government that are starting their new mandate today, and, I, and the premier. And I've called for uh, Section 7... Uh, Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms Protection for all of us. And I went so far because I'm a Métis citizen. I stood up for for Indigenous people, for injured workers that are injured and disabled and made ill, for uh, disabled people generally, the 6.5 million across the country, for our elders who have been identified over this pandemic as being in jeopardy due to for-profit care that it was established by that same government prior to 2017. Or 2017. Really? We have a systemic problem in terms of our social safety net across this country. And in my experience, uh, battling every, I've battled every system in this country that would, would serve needs like my own, you know, starting with WorkSafe BC. And I can tell you that they're all as dysfunctional as WorkSafe BC. Truly. The, 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 there's a corporate governance model in our uh, provincial government system that is authoritative, top-down, and like you mentioned earlier, try to communicate with, with a closed door. It's, and that we, we're the people of British Columbia. The citizens of British Columbia expect our government to be responsive to our needs, not erect barriers, not cause us additional problems, not 
cause us additional harm. And if I could just say one more thing. Um, I'm a, I was a first responder. I served my local community for 16 years. And I did so out of a sense of community service. And what people in these systems don't realize is that if, when a first responder comes to your side, we come to your side with a duty of care in mind. And we will not cause you additional harm. That's our first and foremost directive, prime directive, and that's what personally I expected when I reached out for help to this workers' compensation system. To be approached with a duty of care, treated with respect, treated with dignity, and treated in a way that would honor the, the, the problems that I'd faced and the problems my family faced. And I believe that that's the duty of, of our government officials, and including WorkSafe BC. And they've gotten far too much power and autonomy, and I think it's time for us to tear that away from them. Amen. Amen. Absolutely, Mr. Darren Gregory. I appreciate everything you do and uh, have done. And I would also like the citizenry to think that what we've just discussed here is what we're looking at with our ICBC and other insurance companies. And do they really need to hold all that power? Correct. Thank you. Thank you so much, Darren, for being with me. I, I hope you'll come back and we can continue these discussions, as I'm sure people will be interested. And uh, Please, please, if you can, I'll, I'll, I, I hope you have the link. And please, please uh, happen to mention that as you can and see if we can get as many signatures as possible. Can you uh, say the link right now? Ah, uh, jeepers. <laughs> I wish I had prepared for that. I'm sorry. Okay, we'll get it on our, our, our website and everything, though. So thank you. Thank you again so much. You okay. take care of yourself and bless your heart, and thanks for all the work you I do. I appreciate your time. No worries. Bye for now. Discrimination comes in many forms. The perspectives of Canadians matter. Make a difference that will benefit people and communities across Canada. Help us shed light on discrimination. Take five minutes to participate in Statistics Canada's Experiences of Discrimination at Crowdsource Survey. With your participation, the information collected can shape the decisions that will help address discrimination in Canada. Visit statscan.gc.ca slash participate and click the Participate Now button. Alban Classical has an activity the whole family can enjoy together. It's their multi-generational band. Tuesday evenings at 5.30, join in for an hour of musical fun led by some of our city's top classical musicians. Participation is free, but you must register. There's a limited number of instruments available for use on a first-come, first-served basis. To register, call Alban Classical at 250-563-4693. Multi-generational band presented by Alban Classical, 5.30 Tuesday evenings at First Baptist Church. The Government of Canada has started the gradual resumption of some passport services in Canada. Passports can now be applied for by mail. Those in immediate need of a passport can request an in-person appointment. Those without current travel plans are asked to wait before applying for a passport. Processing times are expected to be longer than normal due to high demand and current protocols taken to keep Government of Canada employees safe. For more information, visit Canada.ca or follow Passport Canada on Facebook or Twitter. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Well, here we go. That was uh, quite an interesting round of conversation there. And once again, Mr. Gregory, thank you so much for speaking with us. Um, 
You know, we have a lot of rights and privileges in this province, and uh, when we aren't able to access or hold them, and we are told we have them, and there's people that are employed to take them away from us, we all have to wonder what's been going on there. What we do have is one wonderful fellow who is working for us very hard, Todd Doherty, and he is addressing, Alan's going to chime in here and talk about how uh, Todd has been doing some... I do want to quickly mention was... I can't hear you. Oh, Okay. Should be are you up? Okay, I, I guess. It, okay, yeah. sorry, it's just my headphones then. <laughs> okay. Um, no, one thing that um, the guest mentioned was, yes, the legislature is starting to sit again today with mm-hmm. the speech. They're only figuring it's sitting for two weeks, though, before the break for Christmas. The main thing they want to do, I believe, is get the pandemic relief funds provincially going, like pass the legislation to allow those funds to be distributed. Yeah. So that's the main thing they're going to do before Christmas. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I don't. I think that might be about all the throne speech might even address. Really, is just that, and then they'll just get down to that and do it. But no, um, Todd Doherty has been working on this. The uh, suicide prevention hotline. Yeah, the MP, our MP for. Caribou Prince George? Yes, Caribou Prince George. Mm-hmm. You can never keep all the names of the different varieties. <laughs> Truly. A um, couple of years ago, he brought forward a bill um, about PTSD, which was passed, I believe, last year. I believe it was passed unanimously. Well, now he's pushing for a, um, a suicide prevention hotline Yes. to be brought in. Instead we, of the, uh, like, 11 number yeah, thing to US be phoned. The U.S. apparently is doing that this year. Mm-hmm. They're bringing in, I believe it's 988 as a suicide prevention hotline in the right. U.S. And he would like to see Canada do the same thing. So he is starting to push that. One thing I will just mention that sort of got in his way last week was um, he became a grandfather for the first time. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. They addressed period. it on the news and everything. Yeah, that was lovely. Period, as he was standing up to ask a question about to the minister about the suicide prevention hotline, he got a text from his wife saying that his daughter's water had just broken. Yeah. And so he mentioned that, got a bit of a round of applause, and then he said, okay, I have to admit, I have now forgotten what I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah, that would then be... he remembered and kept going and got the answer. And um, I was just reading a story from a couple of months ago in the Williams Lake Tribune about it. And um, the minister, when he first brought this up a couple of months ago, said that she wanted to work with him on this sort of thing. Because I think he is getting a reputation, because I think he's only in, what, his second term? Does that sound right? Um, really, I think, for some reason, I think he's been around for such a long time, I'm unsure. But um, he, hasn't, like, he hasn't been around for 20 years or anything, but mm-hmm. I think he's already getting a fairly good reputation on the house, in the house, as somebody who... Um, stands up for the issues and researches them and everything and it's not an issue where he's trying to make the government look bad he's just saying here's something that we need to do absolutely which is what needs to be done anyway yeah. so we don't get people's backs up constantly we yeah. need some uh, proper communications what is it civil discourse is what we need <laughs> some oh, come uh, on we're on a radio station you expect us to be civil <laughs> well i can get really uncivilized about the topics no. if you okay. like but no Never i don't mind. think that's a good idea <laughs> okay we have our next guest in so i'm going to suggest that we go to a break yes then wonderful when we come back we will be talking with jane Goche from big brothers and big sisters after nine.
Advanced registration for indoor walking at CN Centre is now available. Indoor walking is being offered Monday through Friday from 8.30 to 4 in one and a half hour blocks. The concourse will be closed for a half an hour between each block for cleaning and sanitation. Advanced registration is required to keep numbers within provincially mandated limits. To register for indoor walking at CN Centre, phone 311 or visit princegeorge.ca slash register. For more information on walking options, go to princegeorge.ca slash walk. Seasonal closures at select parks and outdoor civic facilities are now in place. The gate at the entrance to Connaught Hill is closed to traffic. The outdoor public washrooms at Duchess and Clayton Memorial Parks are also closed, as is Massage Place Stadium. Motorists are reminded that winter on-street parking restrictions are now in place for residential areas, the downtown, and Priority One roads and hills. Full details on snow removal procedures, park closures, and parking restrictions are available on the city's website at Prince The Prince George Artists Co-op is presenting a Brick and Stones workshop in the new year. Headed by Lorraine Elliott and Judy Lisk, students in the workshop will enjoy step-by-step instructions and demos online, guiding them towards creating their own pen and ink and watercolor masterpiece, taking place over eight Saturdays from 10 to noon starting January 16th. Register before December 16th and save $5. To register and for more information, call Lorraine at 250-964-9868. That's 250-964-9868. Forecast from Environment Canada. Mainly cloudy today with a 60% chance of showers this morning, then a mix of sun and cloud. Wind from the south at 40, gusting to 60, and a high of 6. Periods of rain at times mixed with snow tonight with a low of 1. For Tuesday, a mix of sun and cloud with a 60% chance of flurries in the morning, a clearing in the afternoon, and a high of 4. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. All right, here we are back with uh, After 9 here on Monday morning. And we have one of my favorite uh, associations that uh, has been of great help to me and my uh, as a single mother. It was wonderful to have them step in for to help me and my son back in the day. We've got Jane Gauthier here, the Community Development Coordinator for Big Brothers and Sisters in Northern BC. Welcome. Hello, thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries, no worries. So um, how do you like Big brothers and sisters. Were you ever a brother or a sister? Or? Um, I wasn't myself, no. Um, but uh, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, my role at the agency is to plan all of our fundraising events, and then I handle all of the communications for the office or for the office. So, cool. so I'm always up to new things, which is really fun. Um, I actually just finished wrapping up last week. We were doing a survivor themed raffle. Oh, great! Yeah. So of course now everything has to be kind of transitioned online. So we did tribal council every day um we just did like a live stream of it to kind of eliminate um participants and yeah it was a ton of fun and really looking forward to doing it again so happy to announce we will be doing that fundraiser again come spring so yeah it was a ton of fun and yeah I guess everybody has to get really inventive and creative with what's going on now like new ideas and different ways um I, I can't I can't say that I'm hugely disappointed with everything that's going on it's really making us all examine the way that we do and have done things out of habit for so long yeah absolutely I know like uh, you know after last spring it was kind of this panic as to oh my gosh all of our like all of my plans are 
pretty much out the window mm-hmm. now because, you know, and especially with Big Brothers Big Sisters, the agency in general, we bring people together. We bring matches together um, for the most part, usually in person in the community. Yep. Um, and then now, of course, we've had to really revamp our strategy and how we are bringing people th- together. So um, happy to announce we have actually been able to transition um, over to virtual programming. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Um, so that is kind of a big, so we've been doing virtual groups. Um, it, uh, kind of up until the last two weeks ago, um, our in-school matches were still meeting in person, um, but now a number of them are transitioning over to virtual just because... Of um, the, the excess in the more and more cases are coming yes, up now. Exactly. We're not quite as sheltered as we seem to be before. Definitely. Um, and then our community matches, a number of them are also in the process of transitioning um, into virtual. So, um, you know, we're in a lot better of, of a position now than we were like last spring. So, mm-hmm. you know, when the lockdown oh, came again. That was just such a big, big, big stressor. Definitely. Yeah. So is this um, helping at all with people having more time on their hands? Are you finding you're getting more Big Brothers and Sisters volunteering as they're looking for things to people are don't have their time so filled up? and are Yeah, absolutely. Um, people are having kind of more time um, at home. They want to give back um, in some way. And what's really nice is the commitment isn't huge to be a Big Brother or Big Sister. Um, you know, it can be as little as one hour a week yeah um so you know a lot of people can afford to do that so which is great we've seen um yeah like a lot of people wanting to get involved which is awesome Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's uh, reduced your, your staff in your office and stuff. Is it down a bit or are you still same functional? Yeah, so um, like um, all of the staff, um, like n- I don't think, no, there's none of us that are actually currently um, like bigs in the program. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are all um, like paid staff. Um, so no, that's been good. And we've been able to, thankfully, we are a small staff. So we've been able to social distance within the office. So, Excellent. Um, yeah, we're all still at the moment working from the office which is really nice yeah yeah so much stress and unknowingness in the community it's it's very difficult and I'm glad that folks like yourself and big brothers are still out there giving her and holding up the end for everybody yeah yeah I'm glad as well have you got any more uh, surprise events coming up or thinking of any more different strategies um yeah so uh we're really excited um next week actually so we're doing zoom calls with santa so we've been lucky enough to book some of his time which is really great so um i mean that is already full so we've already got all of our spots filled but um santa will be chatting with um kids here in prince george as well as throughout the region um talking to them about christmas and um what they're looking for and getting a little bit of that in-person experience that they would have normally got awesome Mm -hmm. awesome awesome so, um, what else is going on? Uh, do you uh, do you guys ever do things like ski trips or things like that? To organize any outdoor activities? Uh, where you are are the out of the school setting? Are folks still meeting with the littles, or are the bigs still meeting with the littles? Um, out, not currently. So we have mm. um, put a stop to all of our in-person meeting. Uh. Um, just. Uh, kind of while we're kind of waiting for the orders from um, Bonnie Henry. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, currently, so we're trying to do as much as we can to transition um, as many of our matches over to a virtual programming setting. Um, And what's really great is um, um, 
Jessalyn, uh, who's one of our newer coworkers, she is our virtual program support. She's done a really great job, really building up the, um, you know, we've got an online portal with a ton of online games, lots of different ways for people to connect. Um, and then we're also really excited. We've had now one match that's fully been matched through virtual programs. Um, and the little is here in Prince George and the big actually lives in Kitimat. Oh. Um, so this is really cool. And, um, you know, it, what was it? I guess a little bit over a year ago now, we um, rebranded from Big Brothers Big Sisters of Prince George to Big Brothers Big Sisters of Northern BC. Right. Um, and originally our plan of attack um, to help us expand and get into these new communities was to partner with an existing nonprofit in those um, communities. Um, so for example, we had already partnered with the Vailmont Learning Center in Vailmont mm-hmm. um, to offer programming um, through them to the Robson Valley, yes. uh, which had worked really well. Like um, our partnership with them has been great um, but of course it's been a quite a slow transition um, and getting us out there um, and then now through virtual programming it's like we can easily get into these communities and match kids um, and what we found is a lot of our volunteers um, in our approach so a lot of the bigs actually come from the university and the college here mm-hmm. um, just because a lot of students are looking for volunteer hours they have a little bit more of a flexible schedules um, which is really nice so that's kind of our big pull of volunteers and then of course we've got kids throughout all of these northern communities um, who don't necessarily have it's harder for us to find volunteers out there so now it's great we can match access uh, you get a virtual excuse me a virtual pal like a old day pen pal kind of thing over over the net definitely that's that's awesome um, you know and a lot of people are getting more used to you know uh, talking over zoom or facetime or things like that they're already kind of playing online games or watching movies together through you know group watch on disney plus or whatever it happens to be and we're all set up to facilitate facilitate that like in a safe way yes, um, for yes. them to com- to uh, connect that way so yeah it's been really great and um, it's really exciting for us most definitely mm-hmm. yeah it's good to get more people on board for sure well Alan how do you figure about uh, do you have any questions or anything that you'd like to well, what I was going to say was why don't we go to a break oh okay I'll see if I can think of something during the break <laughs> sounds great Okay. Okay. More after nine. After nine. The Prince George Spruce King's 39th annual Show Home Lottery is ready for you. Built in the Aberdeen Glen subdivision by Hobson Construction, the 2,600 square foot home comes fully furnished by Theory Hardware with appliances from Andre's Electronics and is valued at $670,000. Tickets are available by phone or online at sprucekingshowhome.ca. Tickets for two mega 50-50 jackpots are also available. The 39th annual Spruce King Show Home Lottery. Grand prize draw date is April 30th. The city is asking for feedback from residents on how it can best support nonprofit organizations that provide recreation, sport, and well-being programs throughout Prince George. The Community Recreation Well-Being Survey is available to residents on the city's website, princegeorge.ca. The survey is part of a comprehensive project to assess if changes to the current model of community support are needed. To access the survey and other public engagement opportunities, visit princegeorge.ca/getinvolved. The deadline for the Community Recreation Wellbeing Survey is Friday. Tourism Prince George is giving you a chance to win three incredible staycation packages with their staycation contest. Submit a photo or video of you and a friend enjoying a moment in or around Prince George to tourismpg.com slash staycations. Use the Explore Prince George hashtag for your entry to be featured on Tourism PG's social media channels. For full details, visit their newly revamped website at tourismpg.com. 
on through December 15th, the Staycation Contest at tourismpg.com slash staycations. Tourism Prince George has a new look. From their website to social channels with a new color palette, check out their newly crowned destination, Base Camp to the North. The new site includes an interactive map, a robust directory for dining, and a dedicated page for staycations. Visit tourismpg.com to see for yourself and engage with Tourism Prince George by using the hashtags TakeOnPG and ExplorePrinceGeorge. With great links to local happenings and attractions, tourismpg.com, Base Camp to the North. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Well, here we are, 93.1 After 9, and we are going to continue our chat with Jane Gauthier from Big Brothers and Big Sisters. Talk more about the bigs and the littles here in town, and Alan's going to take the question reins now. So, Jane, you were saying earlier you've actually gotten more bigs since the pandemic started because more people find themselves with times on time on their hands. Is there still a waiting list though? Um, I'd have to take a look. Um, uh, I don't, I'm sure there are, there is. I don't exactly know our, our for sure waiting list, but um, there's always kids and we're, we are looking for more kids and more bigs, um, really pri- primarily in our virtual programs, um, which come in lots of different forms. So that can be your one-on-one as well as um, virtual groups. Um, so we have been running one virtual group. Um, it's just called Connect. That's kind of what we call our, um, con- our, our group programming. Yeah. Um, and this one focused on science. Um, so it had the kids every week and we mailed all of the, um, all of the uh, supplies that they would have needed. Um, so I know, I th- I'm fairly certain the big was here in, Quin- or sorry, in Prince George. And then the, one of the littles I know, I believe was in Fort St. John, um, was at least one of them. Um, so yeah, every week they were doing some type of science experiment over Zoom and then they would talk about it and kind of play games all while under this kind of sciencey sort of thing. So that's been really fun to watch kind of play out. Um, and then we were doing an in-person group as well um, that of course has had to kind of been canceled. So we're kind of looking to transition um, the remainder of that group online. Um, but there's lots of opportunities. So really in our group programming as well as our um, one-on-one, there's lots of um, spots available and that's for both bigs and littles um and what's really great about our virtual programming is we've seen this big um expansion that we've been able to do kind of all at once because once it's set up we can just duplicate it out um so now we do really have the capabilities and the room to bring on a lot more kids than we would have been able to and um, match them up with bigs that we wouldn't have been able to previously so now when the pandemic is over Mm -hmm. Do you see some of the, maybe the parents of the littles saying, okay, this worked really well when we couldn't meet face-to-face to start with, but now that we can actually meet people face-to-face, is there a way that you can set us up with somebody in our community? Because you were talking earlier about mm-hmm. the one in Kitimat, and I think it was what, the big was in Kitimat and the little was in Coach George? Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, so that... So can't goes, hear you. When it goes back to non-virtual, um, is there a way that those people might be able to meet? 
Yeah, so um, that would be more obviously a question for one of our mentoring coordinators. Um, but kind of how I envision that happening is it would really depend on the match themselves. Um, you know, they are able to build a connection the same that they would have um, in person that they can online. So um, if the child is wanting to connect with somebody here in person, I, I'm sure we would look to re rematch them with somebody here that they can actually meet with in person. Um, but at the same point, if they've now spent a couple months with this new big, um, you know, they've already built that um, relationship. So, you know, our hope is that they would want to continue to meet um, virtually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it will, it will really depend on what the comfort level of the child is and really what they're looking for. Now, is that something then where you would kind of be hoping, in general, I guess, for all of your programming over there, you would be hoping for, say, a couple of months, if you will, lead time, just to know that um, you're going to be going back to the way you were? Um, hmm. I mean, the more time, the better, of course. Um, but what's been really great is through this experience, we've really learned a lot. Um, and that transition from one to the other takes much less time than it would have taken us months ago. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it would really depend on, like I said, the like what the match is looking for um, and um, kind of what our pool of volunteers is at that current time. Because, um, of course, there is, uh, you know, virtual or in person, you still have to go through all of your screenings. You've got to get your criminal record check done. Um, you know, you do meet with our mentoring coordinators a couple times just to do, you know, figure out who, what child potentially could be a be better match for you. Um, and we really try to match our bigs and littles based on common interests um, and things like that. So all of those processes um, for in person still happen in, um, for virtual. Um, so we would have to be doing kind of all of that um, as we would have before. So if people want to get more information about Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Northern BC, see, I, I've already <laughs> gotten the name straight. Yes. Well, how do they go about doing it? Like, is there a place they can just drop into to chat with somebody or are you requesting that people do everything online, basically? Um, so in normal circumstances, I would absolutely say, come on and stop by the office or give us a call. Mm -hmm. um, but we are just kind of limiting, the, of course, the amount of people coming and going. So hoping to set up appointments with anybody that's wanting to come in um, to chat about volunteering. So kind of your best way to reach out is either to give us a call, which is 250-563-7410, or head to our website, www www.bigsbigsnbc.ca um, and then you can kind of inquire there you can learn a little bit more about what um, what are all the programs that we offer and kind of what the commitment level for each one is because they do kind of vary depending on what you're wanting to do um, so you can kind of get a little bit better of a sense as to what how much uh, what kind of what what are you looking to do what what's your role for um, volunteering here um, and then from there we um, of course will start that process with you um, to kind of learn a little bit more about you and what you're looking for um, and then you know the mentoring coordinator will talk to you as well to say oh you know it sounds like really your lifestyle would uh, work better with an in-school match or maybe uh, uh, you're you would be great for group programming or kind of whatever it happens to be so um, yeah definitely head to our website or give us a call and we can kind of get that started and kind of go from there now in general I know this is very tough to put a number on but in general if I was calling in today, say, indicating I wanted to become a big, about how long would it normally be before I would get a match? Assuming there what you know, assuming that it wasn't 
impossible to match with somebody, mm -hmm. about how long would the process take? Um... I guess if you're kind of really on top of it, it really depends on um, the commitment level from the volunteer, mm -hmm. um, just because they're usually kind of how the process works is we would do um, kind of a discovery call with you. So um, you would either come in or over the phone or kind of wh whatever mm -hmm. it would be um, just to learn, you know, are you a good fit um, from and then from there you would go in and get your criminal record check done um, and things like that. You'd fill out all of your forms um, and then you would come in and do a, like a more extensive interview. Um, to learn really more about, um, you know, w what are your processes dealing with children? Um, you know, w just learn kind of more about you um, and then also doing some major training with you as to how to handle different situations with, with kids that could, that could potentially come up. Yeah. Um, and then we would have a meeting with a little that we think we're kind of going to match with you. Um, and then we would set up a meeting for you guys to meet with your mentoring coordinator also in the same room. So you guys kind of all do a kind of meet and greet that way. And then from there, you would be officially matched um, and then go off to either meet um, in, you know, in person or uh, virtually. So that that one meeting, though, with the potential big, the potential little and the mentoring coordinator, I'm guessing a lot of those are taking place online now. Um, yes. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like, I mean, a number of them are still kind of happening in person. Yeah. If, um, everybody, if everybody's in Prince George, you can do it. Yes. But um, otherwise, you have to do it by Zoom. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We've been kind of transitioning quite a bit over to, to the Zoom <laughs> platform. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, we're, we're, um. Pretty close on time? Pretty close on time. Okay. Jean Gauthier, uh, Community Development Coordinator, Big yes. Brothers, Big Sisters of Northern BC. Thank you very much for taking the time to bring us up to date. Definitely. Thanks so much for having me on. Okay. Awesome. Uh, that'll do it for today's show. Sandra Claremont is in tomorrow after 9. After 9 is a daily presentation of CFIS-FM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Reg Fair, and Nathan Gita, with guest producer Neil Godbue of the Prince George Citizen. Additional contributors include CBC News and the National Campus and Community Radio Association. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. This is 93.1 CFIS-FM in Prince George, proudly supported by community groups like the BC Old Time Fiddlers.